Welcome to Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. This is where I help strong, capable women excavate the inner garbage in their life so they can become more confident and have more clarity on who they are and how they really want to be in the world. We have rich, juicy conversations about, yeah, you guessed it, empowerment, but also about radiating your brilliance and loving yourself more than you ever have in your life. And who doesn't want that? So join me now for another empowering chat. Hey everyone. So it's now February, 2022. Wow. And the theme for this month is envelop. And, and when that came across uh, with our team, we decided on these theme words. When that showed, one showed up, I was like, oh, envelop. It felt like putting on a, a really cozy blanket and being enveloped in love. It, it also can mean um, being in an enclosure or a container. So are you choosing this month to be enveloped in love and light and joy? Or are you choosing to be enclosed in a container? I think we've all been enclosed in a container enough over the last couple of years. So I want to support you in, in just wrapping yourself up in love, feeling that energy, that uh, divine, loving brilliance of love surround you and envelop you as you continue to move forward in 2022. Meanwhile, take a listen to our show. So I, I, I think I start this all, I say this almost at the beginning of every show now. I have the best job ever. And it's because I get to have these conversations with people that are growing and expanding and evolving and researching and wanting to share all that they've learned with me, with us, with all of us. So um, today I am welcoming an author who uh, has really done his research and done his inner work, um, Dr. Mark Helprin. And the book, everybody, is called Coherence Revolution. Mark, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. So I'm excited about this because, and I have just chills everywhere. Uh, I'm excited about this because your personal journey has been about health that led you into all sorts of modalities that you actually have practiced and are now teaching. And um, we have a similar, uh, not like-minded, but kind of a similar experience because my personal journey has been about health too. Uh, and, and my health was affected because of stress, unaddressed stress until I finally uh, presented with, by becoming a type one diabetic, right? Uh, 30 years ago. And so then my ongoing path has been about how do I find my place of optimal health? So can you speak a little bit about your personal journey that led you into all this investigation that's, that's now in your book? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, my personal journey started probably about 35 years ago. I, I just turned 50 and um, I sort of started to deal with anxiety as a teen. Uh, my childhood was nothing uh, out of the ordinary. I, I had a loving family. I had lots of friends. I felt very well adjusted. And you would never have thought, well, this is a kid, you know, about to develop all of these uh, anxiety issues. But 
around 12, 13, as hormones started and got into junior high school and some of the friendships were changing and things like that, I just developed a lot of, I would call normal insecurities as a teen. And what started to happen is I started to have a lot of rumination and my brain started to, you know, think a lot. And then I started to feel anxiety. And the more anxiety I felt, the more I started to think. And, you know, these patterns just became so ingrained in me um, as a teen. And, you know, as a teenager, I didn't really have many people to talk to in the 70s and 80s. We weren't talking to our parents a lot about it and our friends certainly not a lot about it. And so I was on this journey to try and figure it out. Um, but I really didn't even know what was happening. But by the time I was maybe 18, 19, 20, um, I understood a little bit more about anxiety. And I was already starting to sort of be the person I am, which is part scientific, part spiritual. I've got mm -hmm. very much both sides to me. And so I determined I was going to start to figure anxiety out. I wasn't going to leave any rock unturned. I was going to try everything in every situation. So I did medication and cognitive behavioral therapy and yes. psychotherapy. I'd also done mindfulness and meditation and um, books and courses and homeopaths and energy workers and shaman. And I mean, you name it, I was doing it over my 20s and even into my 30s. The patterns just kept continuing. And I felt like I had set up this recurrent pattern of I'd find something new that I thought would help. And I'd feel sort of this hope and uplifting, you know, feeling. And then I'd give it weeks or months, depending upon what the person or people told me it was going to take. And then I'd try it and then I'd kind of get a little disappointed. And then I'd, you know, feel bad about it didn't work. And then so I'd find something else and the hope would come back and I'd feel this is going to be the thing. And, and then I'd go through that and be disappointed. And over the years, I guess I found some things that worked a little bit, some things that helped me in little ways or small ways, but nothing that was the thing that was going to change my life and allow me to live uh, stress-free. Um, and slowly in my 30s and 40s, as I sort of gained a little bit more maturity and experience, things started to alleviate naturally, but there was still way too much anxiety on a daily basis. In fact, I kind of lost the ability to feel emotion. I only oh, felt anxiety. Yeah. I didn't feel anger. I didn't feel disappointment. I didn't feel sadness. It all came out as anxiety, severe anxiety at times. Um, and so that's when I found that back in around 2005, I found heart math, which was a technique that now I now teach. And I started dabbling in that a little bit. But even, even as I found that, I still didn't dive into it totally. And it took another three, four, five years for me to really um, engage with heart math the way I think it was meant to engage with. And then I started to put together systems that sort of worked for me. And I remember it was really the pandemic that put it all together. Uh, back in March of 2020, our government had said, you know what, you've got to go home, you've got to quarantine for an indeterminate amount of time. And I remember thinking that I was not going to let this be that my downfall. I knew that I suffered with anxiety on and off, and this was not a good situation. So I thought, I'm going to use this as, as a positive. So I determined I was going to write. And so I'd get up every morning and I'd write in the morning and I'd have lunch and I'd write in the afternoon. And for about 12 weeks, I just started writing and, and reviewing literally everything I had ever done for anxiety, whether it was books or courses or therapists. I just reviewed everything, all the books that I had had, the little cover, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. little pages turned over. I would get back to it one day. Well, 
this was the one day I, I got back to all of those things. And, and that's really how the book started, Coherence Revolution, which goes through all of the things that worked for me, didn't work for me, frustrations, all of that. And then I decided, well, how can I teach this? How can I help other people and save them from going through what I went through? And that's when I, uh, I designed the six-week course because I can teach heart math now. And I dove into all of the other concepts that, that helped me. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about it, but we talk about our senses and we talk about the world around us and how we can create this concept of coherence on a daily basis. And mm -hmm. so my journey has really come from, you know, trying to find anything to now narrowing it down to the system that actually works for me. And so the idea is now helping people find the system that works uh, for them. For them. So I got two things I want to, I want to say, sure. uh, addressing this, what you just said first, and then I want to go back to let everybody know what heart math is. Cause some people don't know, sure. but, uh, I, I think it's brilliant that you've put it all in one, like a resource book. So, and because it's all of the uh, modalities that are out there to help people deal with stress or anger or sadness or whatever, they, they, it isn't a one size fits all. So in, in my personal experience as well, it, I've tried everything and, you know, my listeners know I, I work with. EFT and I work with energy and I work with Reiki and I work with uh, affirmations and, you know, so uh, that the fact that you put it all together, um, I just want to encourage the listeners. It's an awesome book. So you, Mark already explored it all. And then you can just read the book and, and decide, okay, I want to try that one thing. I want to try those two things. Um, and, and develop your own personal system for healing. I think that that's because that's basically what you did. Yes, it's, it's this. I, I mean, I call it self-inquiry. The whole book is about self-inquiry, whether, you know, I look at things in life as either depleting us or renewing us. Yes. Uh, either something is renewing you and giving you more energy or something is depleting you. And that can be the people you're around. That can be the clothes you wear. That can be what you hear, what you smell, what you taste, what you see. It's either depleting or renewing. And so the idea is in, uh, in the course that I teach is that you go into each of your senses. You, you look at the people you surround yourself. You look at your subconscious beliefs and you start to discover what is renewing you and what is depleting you? And if something is renewing you, well, you put it on your list of toolbox that you can then use. You know, if there's a song that elicits a certain emotion, well, you got to write that down. If there's a smell that produces a certain emotion, you got to know that so that you can get rid of the stuff that doesn't work for you. Mm -hmm. And you can start to use the things that do work for you to help you create balance and inspiration in your life. Absolutely. When I was um, going through a contentious divorce, talking about you know, supporting your senses, uh, my ringtone became what doesn't kill you makes you stronger because right. I needed constant. So when everybody, anybody called me, I heard that, you know, it was a constant affirmation that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Now I have a different ringtone. That's all with the Scottish bagpipes and the piano guys, and it makes me happy. So it, it I, I totally agree with you finding those things that fuel and feed your senses in a positive direction, not a That's depleting. Right. So explain to everybody about heart math and what it is, how it works, and 
and sure. we'll go from there. So, so HeartMath is a, is a company and they started getting some notoriety in the early 90s. And what they started doing is research on how the heart affects the brain and how you can use your own breath with visualization and with emotion to create a state called coherence. Now, some of us have, uh, have understood coherence. I mean, um, an athlete will say, wow, I was really in the zone. And when an athlete says they're in the zone, time is slowed down, their muscles are working effectively, their brain is on top of everything that they have to do with their, you know, competition or whatever it is they're doing, you know, and, and it's everything is sort of purring and going in the right direction. That, that's coherence. You know, you walk into a room and you, you see someone across the room that you just feel that pull towards them because you want to go speak to them. That's a form of coherence. But what what uh, HeartMath is talking about is physiological coherence, which is when the brain's, uh, the heart's rhythm can entrain the brain's rhythm. So I'll explain what I mean. When you breathe in, your heart rate goes up. And when you breathe out, your heart rate goes down. So let's say you breathe in and your heart rate goes all the way up to 90 beats a minute. And then you breathe out and your heart rate goes all the way down to 90 beats, uh, 70 beats a minute. 90 minus 70 is 20. Mm -hmm. So the heart rate variability is 20. The larger the HRV, heart rate variability, the larger it is, the more adaptable you are to life, the more resilient you are. And in fact, the longer you live, there's mortality studies showing the greater your HRV, the longer you will live. Now, throughout our life, unfortunately, HRV actually starts to shrink. And people who are chest breathers, who are shallow chest breathers, your I HRV- I both hands, that's me. Well, your HRV is very small then. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is what HeartMath has shown with their research is that if you start to breathe in through the nose and become a stomach breather where you fill up your stomach, you allow your diaphragm to drop down, your lungs to expand, and you fill up your stomach on your in-breath, something, something like this where you go and you fill up your belly and then mm -hmm. you breathe out through pursed lips. I do that naturally, Mark. Right. Wow. And as you breathe in and out, you can create a rhythm of your heart where it almost looks like a sine wave. You breathe in and breathe out and breathe in and breathe out. And as you get your heart rhythm into a nice sine wave with an increased HRV, you start to entrain the higher centers of your brain because the heart's electrical activity is about 40 times stronger than the brain's. And so what happens is the strongest wave in the body will entrain all the other waves. So if the heart rhythm is strong, it's going to entrain the brain rhythm. And if you start to entrain the brain rhythm to the, a, a nice sine wave or a nice HRV, a nice good heart rhythm, you start to affect the higher centers of the brain that deal with pain and uh, immune function, decision-making, pain, sleep, stress, anxiety, mood. And so you start to be able to use your rhythm, that nice coherent rhythm of your heart to affect your brain. And that is when you start to get into that state called coherence, where you are resilient, you're able to deal with pain and you're able to deal with stress. You have better relationships because you're able to listen better. And so that's really what heart math is about. It's about using emotion, breath work and visualization. But I have to really reinforce that it is about the emotion. It is about feeling gratitude or love or some type of uplifting emotion. And uh, the story I usually tell to illustrate this is was sort of my journey with heart math. Um, you know, I'd been using it for about maybe four or five years. And uh, I was on my bed one night and I was having a bit of an anxiety attack. 
And I was, I had the biofeedback equipment that HeartMath makes. I had a little heart sensor on my thumb and I was sitting in my bed and I was doing the breath work and I was visualizing myself lying on a beach. I was visualizing myself, you know, floating on a cloud and all these things that were supposed to relax me or make me feel calm and nothing was working. The, The software was not getting into coherence. And so I thought to myself, what pure emotion can I use to get into coherence? And in the moment, what came to me was my daughter, who was about six months, uh, six years old at that point. I visualized my daughter jumping into my arms and giving me a hug. And I didn't just visualize the hug. I felt it. I felt her hands around me. I felt the kiss on the cheek. I just felt the actual hug. And as I felt it, I felt sort of this tingling come over my body. And I really didn't need the software to tell me what I already knew, which was that I had gone into coherence and it made this beep and it went into this green color, which is what happens when you you know go into coherence. And I felt it. And the only way I can describe it is that I felt empowered. I felt uplifted. I felt energized. And it just seemed like the world was okay. Everything was okay. And I, and I realized in that moment, that I, this was coherence. This is, this is the feeling I was looking for. It's not some theoretical, you know, state that you can maybe attain. It's attainable. It took me all of maybe five or six seconds to attain it. So it's not something that takes months or years to, to attain. If you do this properly, you can attain physiological coherence fairly quickly. And then the more times you practice it and the more times you get there, the easier it is for you to attain. So I have a question. Do you use that that hug visualization often now, or do you still go to different? I, I use that amongst other things. That is all that will always stay with me as something I use, but uh, you know, you and I were talking a little bit before about Pono, which is uh, thank you. Forgive me. I love you. I'm sorry. It's, it's a, it's a ritualistic uh, healing technique where you say these, these things over and over. So sometimes when I'm to get myself into a, a feeling of gratitude or love or, or, you know, uplifting, I'll do the breath work and I'll just be saying, I love you or thank you so much or, you know, anything to drive emotion uh, will help you get into coherence. Yeah. So, but, and again, just to reiterate what you just said, that the emotion needs to be the uplifting ones, not going down the rabbit hole of the, of the scary ones, the ones that's right, which, so so Mark, it, it's so amazing. You wrote this during the pandemic, during the lockdown, yeah. because there were so many people ensconced, that's a nice word, uh, in their homes, um, having huge anxiety. And now as we are reemerging, and that's the theme of Empowering Chats this year is reemergence. As we're reemerging into our outer worlds, our communities, there is the, the, the fear, the unaddressed fear and anxiety that they were living with in their, in their solitude or with their families is still there now because they spent so many months living in that. And so how would, what would you say to people that are reemerging into life and taking off their masks and maybe like trying to participate again, but they've got that, I want to say brainwave of fear and anxiety, what would you say to them? Well, you see, I think you bring up a good point. And I talk about in my book a lot about anxiety almost being an addiction. Mm. 
In other words, in other words, as you, your brain creates thoughts, those thoughts create chemicals and those chemicals in the brain create anxiety in the body. And as you get more anxiety in the body, you create more thoughts and more chemicals. And it's that chemical release, the, the, the adrenal release of the adrenaline and epinephrine and all these chemicals of stress that your body begins to crave. And so I think most people who suffer with anxiety will, will relate to, you know, they have one problem and they're getting anxious about it. And then that problem is solved or it goes away or it doesn't exist anymore. Your brain searches your environment for something else to worry about because it's craving that same feeling again. It wants to feel those, those chemicals. And so the idea is that you have to start to create new patterns. And so as you're saying, as we reemerge and go outside, it may not feel comfortable, But the idea is to learn to start doing things that feel good and that will inspire you. And because as you start to do that, you start to create the chemicals of joy and happiness, serotonin and endorphins and oxytocin and dopamine and all these different chemicals that are released when you're happy and joyful and inspired. And the more you create those, the more your body gets used to creating those and they become your set point. And now your body starts craving more of the, the chemicals of joy. And so... In in our course, what we talk about is as you do the self-inquiry to figure out what works for you, at the very end, sort of the last thing you're doing is designing your daily time schedule. And what I mean by that is from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, you fill in your work time, your sleep time, your eat time, your drive time, you fill in your social time, your inspirational time, your exercise, everything that's important to you in your life, you put in. But then you take it an extra step further and you start saying, what emotions do I want to feel at those times? Oh, of the day? that's great idea. Do, do I want to feel inspired in the morning to get up for work? And do I want to feel relaxed and, and calm in the evening? And as you start to fill that in, you go, okay, now how do I produce those emotions? Is there a, an essential oil I can use in the morning? Is there a food I can use at lunch? Is there a song I can use on my way to work? You start to get into the rhythm of how do I use not only my breath, things like heart math, but how do I use the world around me? So that you're literally practicing the emotions of your dream life every day. And as you start to practice the emotions that you identify, they become more familiar. And then they become more familiar. They're easier to produce. And then one day you start going, wow, I'm actually living the emotions of my dream life. That dream life doesn't seem so far away from what I thought it would feel for now. So your your life starts to become more familiar to you. So as you're saying, as you start to get out and the pandemic gets in our our rearview mirror a little bit, it may not feel natural for you, but you've got to start doing the things that inspire you so that you get used to doing those things again. I love that it's an all-sensory experience that you're inviting people to create. And it also, uh, uh, as you were speaking about it, I, I heard very clearly, it's, it's the um, template for a more vital, positive, happy life that you can begin to live right now by utilizing all of those things, like listening to the positive music on the way to work and, and deciding how you want to feel, if you want to feel inspired. I, because I am for years, I'm a big believer and, and I've experienced it in my life that my, the minute I have a thought, depending on the feeling that goes right behind it, it creates in my life that experience. And if I'm having anxiety, if I have a thought about this might happen and I'm having anxiety, then the whole day is 
can be shot because all I'm doing is being involved in the story in my head. But if I choose, like you're talking about setting daily, every day, what I'm eating, does that make my body feel good? And what I'm, I'm uh, thinking about, do I want it to bring me joy? That is just a whole nother way to set intention and keep your attention focused on what you want and not go down the rabbit hole of fear and anxiety that so many people do. And once you start to understand yourself and you you understand that there are things that will help you and you have triggers and you start to identify what's happening. And in my book, I call it fight or flight Zen. Uh, it's it's that that voice inside my head that when I'm anxious, it will tell me like, you know, let's say you're at home and you're anxious and, you know, you got to go to work in two hours or whatever. You're anxious at home. That's not the time to make a decision. That's not the time to figure out your problem because you're you're in the middle of a fight or flight situation. So there's that little voice that will say to me, like, look, in two hours, you got to be at work. So, you you know, part of what's going on right now is that your blood sugar is low. And you better put that food in your body that's going to make you feel better. And you know that when you get in the shower, the water running over you, well, that kind of snaps you out of it. And so all of a sudden, you've got that little voice in your head that's telling you, go do something to get yourself more coherent in the moment. Because when, when you're more coherent in the moment, then that problem that you thought was causing you all that anxiety, all of a sudden, it doesn't seem as bad. All of a sudden, you now have a new a new uh, problem solving, you know, solution for it, because you didn't try to solve it while you're in that anxious state. It's okay to be anxious. It's the, the whole thing is, is now you have tools to get out of that. And once you get out of it, then you can revisit the situation. And so for me, it's never been about eliminating anxiety for the rest of my life. It's about understanding that in this current moment, there's a many things that I can do to get out of that anxious state and back into an inspired or uplifted state. And I love that that they're very simple. It's simple, simple steps. You know, you don't have to do a ton of things to, well, you can, you can do whatever you want, but but if you keep it simple, then it's easier to get out of it. And I appreciate you saying, don't make a choice when you're in that state of anxiety, because I've done that. And, and, and it doesn't, it doesn't end exactly how I want it to. Yes. And I have to unwind all those choices. Yeah, that's right. Usually that's what happens. And so the idea is to get more coherent, revisit it, and then you'll see that you can most likely have a much different solution than you anticipated. Or there might not, you might not even have to fix anything. That's right. right. You might just go, oh, that was, that was like a nothing. It's all gone now. Okay. I don't need to deal with it. That's right. So, so a lot of what you're talking about, Mark, is becoming consciously aware. Uh, And, and, and you said you, you went at this uh, from a scientific point of view, but also a spiritual point of view. And, and I'm all about the spiritual point of view. I, I mean, I've, I've studied quantum physics and I've talked to uh, great, great thinkers and people in, in uh, the new thought self-help world. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think it's important to recognize that uh we're here to become consciously aware. We're here on planet earth to grow and evolve and learn. And it seems to me, it's in my experience, when I can get out of my own way, I have more fun learning because everything is a learning curve. Life is just a learning curve. 
And, and then, you know, then you go on to the next learning curve. <laughs> <laughs> it's always, well, and, and, you know, that's, that's sort of why um, I talk about a process mindset versus a destination mindset. And wow. what I mean by that is, you know, most people, if you, if you speak to them, you're going to get the, I'll be happy when story. Right. You know, it starts when we're a kid. I'll be happy when I get my, you know, go to school and I'll be happy when I get my first boyfriend or girlfriend. I'll be happy when I graduate. I'll be happy when I, you know, get my first job, when I get married, when I get my first car, when I, you know, get my first house. It's always I'll be happy when. And so you're living this destination mindset that you're putting off this happiness until some later time where you've succeeded in, in attaining whatever goal or destination you're, you're trying to get to. Right. But a process mindset is you set up a process every day for yourself uh, of how to attain those emotions, of how to inspire yourself, of how to uh, do all the daily things that you enjoy doing. And the idea is that you create a daily process so that you're living this process. And if you happen to fall off the bandwagon for a few days, well, you don't have to get anywhere. You just have to get back on your process and start the process again. And so it's about figuring out what works for you and having a big toolbox that you can in any moment go, I got this. I can change my physiological state and I can uplift myself. I can move on. And so it's about creating your own process, but most people don't take the time. And the great thing about this six-week program is that you have the time, you, you take the time, you devote a little bit of time each day for six weeks to, to put in that time so that at the end, you go, wow, I, I understand what works for me now. And I can now put together my own process, um, you know, based upon everything I discovered. And so it should be, I call it a fun, you know, childlike process. You know, you're a curious co-creator of your life. Yes. You have to be curious. You have to say, does this work? What does that do? How about if I did this? Oh, well, that didn't do anything, you know, or I listened to that music and I almost, you know, drove off the road. It was terrible. So you, you got to figure out what works for you and what doesn't. But after you do, then you can set up a very powerful process for yourself. I love the phrase curious co-creator because I think a lot of people don't recognize that the curiosity about something, uh, I think a lot of people think that sometimes curiosity means that they don't know something. Right. Right. And, and lots of people don't want to be found out that they don't know something. Right. Right. We, we, at least the culture I was raised in, you got to know, you know, and if you don't know, you go and get an education to know. And even then you're supposed to know. And, and my life experience is, I don't know. <laughs> the older I get, I don't know anything. So I love this curious co-creator because in the curiosity, it seems like the possibilities open up, the probabilities can expand in however you want, you know, whatever direction you want your life to take. So I love that. Now explain to everybody what the six week, when, when is it gonna happen? How often is it going to happen? Um, and what's the title of it? Sure. Well, it's 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 uh, the Coherence Revolution. It's just the uh, six-week online program. And uh, you can actually get information on it if you go to coherencerevolution.com. And if you go to a page I set up, which is uh, coherencerevolution.com forward slash 2022, if you go to that page, you can actually get a free ebook. You can download the ebook for free. 
and there's a 50% off discount uh, for the course. So there's a code there. And the course we are launching um, in February and March, we've got two start dates. One is Monday, February 21st. One is uh, Saturday, March 12th. But we will be doing launch dates uh, hopefully every month so that it'll be a monthly course or at least because it's a six-week course, probably about 10 times a year we'll offer it so that it'll be a regular ongoing thing. And, you know, for people who take it, it is live. Uh, but if you miss it, you can, you know, go into the membership area and get the video the next day and, and, and review it and stuff. And the material is there for you so you can go over and over it because the six weeks is sort of the start. That's where you do the big dive. That's where you, you know, take the time. But once you've got the information and once you've got all the videos and you've gotten your own document that you've designed, you can revisit this as often as you want. You'll always have access to the material. You can review it as often, as many times as you'd like, because you may have to, things change as you go yeah, forward. Yeah. You know, so I, you know, some people want to do it every three months. Other people might want to reevaluate every six months to a year or two years. So I, I just find that once you're, you've dove in and you've developed this concept of, uh, of a process for yourself, then you, you've got that for life and you can, you can, you know, you're always a member of the site. So you'll always have access to it. So um, yeah, I invite anybody if they're interested just to go and check out the website and download yourself the free ebook for sure uh, at the, for, at the page where it's forward slash 2022. So Mark, is this a, is the course a weekly course or a daily course? What's the sure. actual time? It's once a week for six weeks. Okay, great. So like the Monday course is seven o'clock, uh, seven to eight 30 Mondays for six weeks. And the Saturday is I think 2 PM in the afternoon, Eastern time. I'm up in uh, Toronto, Canada. So it's Eastern time, uh, but that'll be two o'clock Saturday afternoons. And so I wanted to just see, I want people to have the opportunity. Some people work during the week. And so yeah, yeah, I'm no, offering a weekend option and a, and a weekday option. And, yeah. and hopefully uh, people can find a time that works for them. And I love that it's something, it's, it's, uh, uh, something that you can revisit because in my personal experience of of uh, doing this inner work for oh, yeah, yeah, thirty years, um, I have to change it up. You know, I, I, when I started, I I had a meditation practice that was like an hour and a half to two hours. I, you know, but I can't do that now. And and changing it up with adding different modalities, like what you have in your book, um, gives you an opportunity to stay engage too with your learning process with your curiosity with your curious co-creation yes I, I love that so okay so the book in case you got y'all didn't hear it we said it several times the book is called coherence revolution by dr mark helprin and mark thanks for joining me today and i just have to tell you first before we before we close out um thank you so much I know that your personal journey was probably challenging. And I just want to say thank you for your curiosity and your willingness to learn and grow and make your life better because you are now with this book and how you're going to be teaching your course going to make so many other people's lives better. And I just really appreciate who you are and the work that you've done. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. That's very nice. And I appreciate yeah. that very much. Yeah. You're welcome. So I'm just going to end with, and so it is, namaste. Well, that wraps up our empowering chat today. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, go to susanburrell.com. You can 
see all of the information about my new book, Live an Empowered Life, a 30-Day Journey. You can also access guided meditations that I have on Insight Timer through the website and just see what else is out there on my site that you might find empowering and exciting to experience. You can also contact me through the website at susan at susanmorell.com. So that's it for today. See you next time.